Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Blackwood Show. The Black, the Black, the Black, Black. Welcome to the Blackwood Show. I am Taylor Blackwood, and this is my show. I have missed you guys. I'm sorry it's been a while since I did my last podcast. I know everyone says this, but life has just been hectic. I went back for unit two of my executive education program at Harvard and uh, got to be on campus. Just an amazing experience. I definitely plan to do some episodes on executive education in general and my particular program because it's just been really, really um just transformative for me. It's exceeded every expectation. And it's really driven home for me how important continuing education is, especially for executives and business people. You know, it's something that like I run, for those of you who don't know, or this is your first time listening to my podcast, I run healthcare practices. So I get to work with a lot of uh, physician assistants, nurse practitioners, nurses, doctors, and there's a lot of required continuing education in the medical community or amongst lawyers and people like this in order to keep their professional license. And I think that is just such like, yeah, in that case, sometimes they get annoyed by it and do the bare minimum, but I think it's such a good practice when it's embraced. Just this idea of always being a student of continuing to improve and continuing to learn is something that we can all benefit from and something that I've really benefited from. But with being back on a college campus for a full month, being busy with uh, the launch of a new business this last year, we're now up to two practices with identity hormones and healthcare and uh, growing to 58 practices in my core business, Ageless Men's Health. It's just been really busy. And I know that's no excuse. I want to be better about uh, making these podcasts at least weekly, but uh, it's just been a really great and, and really hectic year. I will say I'm so grateful for all of you. You know, our view or listener base has actually grown uh, during this break. And that's been really cool. We get new people every single day, even though there's not been a ton of new content. Again, my fault. I'm going to be better about that. But I'm just so grateful that you guys are tuning in and listening and apparently spreading the word amongst your friends. If you know someone who would enjoy these podcasts, please pass it along. But without further ado, let's jump into what I want to talk to you about on this beautiful Sunday from sunny Scottsdale, Arizona. And I thought as long as we're doing alliterations with S's, let's do a self-care Sunday. This is one of my favorite subjects. And I think one of the most often overlooked subjects for entrepreneurs is how do you handle your self-care? And it's beginning to get a little bit more um, lip service, if you will. I mean, you hear about a lot of executives doing meditation retreats and these kind of extreme things that stand out, uh, especially on social media. You s- you'll see people advocating for, oh, you got to do this five-day ayahuasca trip or <laughs> something ridiculous like this. I'm not going to advocate for anything that crazy. I think like most things in business, this is all about consistency and building a routine that you're going to be able to sustainably do. But self-care is so often overlooked, and I really think it's a shame. We have this interesting culture, at least in the United States, of hard work, which is fantastic, and I would never belittle that, and it's so critical. I mean, hard work unlocks all of success. I've never seen someone work part-time or have a lazy attitude and get anything of importance done in the long term. Um, so I really think that hard work is yes, critical, but we put such an emphasis and such a premium on it that sometimes I think we err too far. Like we let the pendulum swing too far towards hard work and therefore burnout being really the risk case there. 
and I think it's a shame. I think that lots of people move past their effective potential or aren't doing things to reload themselves and rejuvenate themselves so that they can meet their true potential. And if you think about it, it's one thing to be smart and to be present and to make a great decision, but you have to be prepared for that. And most people think about studying or experience when it comes to preparedness for making a decision, but really underemphasized in my opinion is having your head right in that moment. I mean, you never know when you're going to have to make a critical decision for your business about the careers of people who trust you about uh, critical things about your product that are going to affect your customers' lives. These are really heady and important things to get right. And it's not just about preparedness with studying or doing an executive education program like I just mentioned or some degree or something like this. Just as important is that when you have to make that decision, you're not flustered. You are energetic. You are ready to make a clear-headed decision and, and be your best self. And I think that's where self-care comes in. And the best executives that I know are remarkably, remarkably good at taking care of themselves, at least the people who have achieved long-term success. And when I study some of the most successful people in the world beyond just like my mentor, I'm really blessed to be around and is really just consistent and sustainable. It's something I really admire about him. If I look beyond just him and into like the billionaires of the world, think like, oh, I don't know, like um, Zuckerberg or... Um, uh, boy, I, I hate to say it, but like Bezos has a lot of things that he talks about, about protecting his ability to make decisions and things like this. When you study people who are like ultra successful, they definitely do have reload times. And I'd say a lot of today's billionaires anyways, are working somewhere around 50 to maybe 60 hours a week at the most. They're not working 80 to 110 hours. Like Elon Musk is almost an outlier in his claims of like sleeping on the floor of his factory and things like this. And I would almost argue like, yeah, zero distance to your uh, key employees is critical and zero distance to your customer is critical. But if you have to go to that extreme, things are really broken, you know, of sleeping on the floor of your manufacturer and things like this. And, and everyone goes to praise him like, oh, that's why he's such a great billionaire. Or that's why he made it. It's like, I don't know about that. I would challenge that. I think that's an example of the pendulum swinging too far that maybe he would have been more productive had he protected his own self-care during those moments. And maybe when you uh, making certain erratic decisions or whatever. Right. So I don't know. You're talking about like opportunity cost and some complex, uh, 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 conjectures when you get into that path too far. But I just want to reiterate that most of these successful people have a pretty decent, dare I say it, work-life balance. You know, these are people who, uh, really can, uh, uh, reload and, and are conscientious of the mistakes of people in the past. And what comes to mind when I think of people who made mistakes with work-life balance, uh, we, we like to think about Steve Jobs, for example, who is obviously like one of my role models, someone I've studied deeply, probably the best um, innovator of all time in terms of like practical networks and practical uh, uh, consumer products, in particular electronics, obviously with Apple, but even like his work with Pixar, he's just this visionary to a different level, but he was also very singular in his success. It really was Apple and Pixar, like his career that he was successful in. And in his dying moments, that was one thing that he spoke regret, you know, about is that he didn't emphasize his home life or work-life balance of these different things. And his life was tragically cut too short and he never got to right size those things. So I'm a big advocate personally for living that along the way of not getting to the end of your life and having that regret that you weren't balanced in some way because you were chasing success on some level too often it's money, but for someone like Steve Jobs, it's maybe influence or creating something lasting in this world or changing the world for the better. Very noble things and definitely worth chasing. And maybe they're worth sacrificing everything else around. But if you don't have to sacrifice everything else, why would you, right? 
So too often I see people get past 50 hours of work in a week, especially past 60 hours work in a week. I've experienced this before, obviously. I mean, we, there are periods where you're going to have to work 80 plus hour weeks if you're running a business of consequence. And I, you know, I live that to this day sometimes, but it's all about the right support systems and the right self-care. And it's all about having a long-term perspective and managing those weeks to a reasonable amount, because that's not sustainable, at least for me and knowing myself. And that's a big thing I'm going to preach about today. The very first theme I want to touch on in self-care is you have to begin by knowing yourself. I mean, there are people who can, who have different levels of uh, work capacity. I mean, there are certain people who are perfectly happy to work 70 hours a week sustainably for decades. And I acknowledge that those outliers exist, but you just have to know what's right for you. I mean, if you're most effective at 45 hours, you kind of need to build your schedule towards 45 hours. Again, there might be certain periods of demand in your life and your business that require you to work more or less. Um, But I think you need to kind of be aware of where your sweet spot is, where you do your best work. I find that too little and I start to stress, like I'm not advancing my cause enough and I end up not relaxing uh, and too much. Obviously I don't make as good a decision. So the, the balance for me that I find is somewhere around 50 hours a week, uh, give or take, you know, I'd start to kind of, especially around 60 hours, I start to really, I won't say burn out, but I start to make more rushed decisions. I don't make decisions quite as well. And you have to really know yourself when it comes to work-life balance, what you need to strike. And I will say that hard number is also variable based off of what type of relaxation I have around it. So I come back reloaded from a trip or a vacation or even just a slow weekend at home. A uh, 60-hour week doesn't seem that crazy. Whereas if I'm tagging it together and it's been a long couple months of some particularly stressful things, maybe I've been dealing with some uh, lawyers or some lawsuits or um, some, some real challenges in the business, or, or even I've just done something, uh, positive, but very engaging and something that's draining. Um, but especially negative things, I say negative things make, take a, a way bigger toll. But anyways, say you've done something that's taken a big toll and, uh, you're coming off that period, then you probably don't have the same capacity, uh, to work that week that you would in other cases. Right. Um, so, but you have to know yourself, you have to know kind of situationally where you are and you have to know what you're capable of. And it's okay to want to push those limits from time to time to challenge those assumptions. But I think it's a good temperature check to do just what is the right balance of work for you? How many hours in a week are you at your best? And then where do you start to get diminishing returns for every extra hour of work? Those are important questions to ask because we're all about optimizing everything in our lives. And if you're listening to this podcast, you know that I, I make the the assertion that real champions do it all. I mean, real champions are a plus fathers and are there for their families in my, in my value system, first and foremost. I mean, they're there for their religion. They're there for their community. They're there for their friends. They're there for their loved ones. They're there for their business and ultimately responsible as uh, providers more often than not. And these are all critical things, but who I really respect in this world are the people who accomplish balance among those oftentimes competing priorities. And if you can excel at everything, uh, that's who really impresses me. That's who, what, you know, my mentor has done in business and in life. That's what the men and women who I respect the most in this world, uh, what they've accomplished is, is really striking a balance and doing it all. So what my classmates, I mean, they just stun me and they certainly have this, that they're winners at everything. There's very few people in that room who are uh, only good at business. They're they're oftentimes very accomplished athletes or 
uh, um, students or uh, of like history and things like this, or the culture and arts, maybe they're even artists or musicians themselves. Uh, they're very accomplished socially, philanthropically. Like these, this is all about people who succeed on more than one front, in my opinion. And that's really what I'm shooting for. And that's what I hope that all my, everyone listening to this is shooting for is balance and success in every area of life. In order to unlock that, you have to know yourself. You have to know, do you procrastinate? I don't know. If you procrastinate, you need to give yourself more structure. Do you overthink? You know, are you someone who spends too much time dwelling on certain tasks and has trouble moving on to the next? You need to know that about yourself. Here's a really key one. When do you make your best decisions? This is an interesting one because oftentimes entrepreneurs are like, rise and grind. I got up before sunrise eight times this week or whatever, you know, like they're just almost like caricatures of themselves trying to show how hard they're working. Those are the people I'm most skeptical of, ironically. And uh, what I think about is not how early did I get up or how late did I stay up grinding on email or some project or a business strategy or something like this or analyzing reports and KPIs. What I think about is when do I make my best decisions and are I, am I stacking the most important decisions I'm going to make into that window? And here's when I make my best decisions, all right? 10 o'clock in the morning to three o'clock in the afternoon. I just know that about myself. If you catch me for a key decision between those times, that's when I'm at my best. Okay. So I try to stack my interviews into that period. I try to stack personnel decisions, especially because when you're making decisions about people and their careers, you need to be sharp. I'm not trying to do that at 11 o'clock at night. I'm not trying, honestly, I'm not trying to do that at eight o'clock in the morning. Like I'm not naturally a morning person. I do get up, you know, at a reasonable time and start work every day uh, just to be in a good habit. But that's something I had to like work on myself. When I was a kid, I would sleep in all day. So as an adult, you know, I have to really make a conscious effort to make sure I'm waking up at seven o'clock, eight o'clock at the latest and I'm straight into work. Uh, you know, and if I have to commute to the office earlier, right, that I'm actually working at, at these key hours and have a good discipline. But even then, I won't try to make my best decisions at eight o'clock. That's when I tend to be, you know, catching up on email, doing routine things. When I get into interviews, phone calls, things like this, I really like to do them, especially between like 10 and noon for some reason. It's like that coffee's hitting. I'm warmed up. I already cleared my email. My mind is kind of clear. I'm ready to make a couple key decisions. And I think that time period is really important for me. I'm not saying that your key time is going to match mine. I'm saying it's important for you to know when those key times are. And I'll tell you something else. They change over time because it used to be even later for me. It used to be I could work early evenings and make really great decisions. And as I've gotten older and woken up earlier and earlier, um, I make decisions better earlier. And I notice that too. If I wake up at like six and get right to work one day, then uh, I'm making better decisions at like nine o'clock, let's say, instead of at 10. So, you know, th these things are, are uh, not static. They, everything in life, I think, is very dynamic. And so, is, so are these windows. So you have to check in on this from time to time. But you need to know yourself. And I think really key in that is knowing when you do your best work or when you make your best decisions. And to the extent that you can, because life will throw you right hooks and left hooks sometimes, to the extent that you can, put your best decisions in that window. I kind of touched on it. You got to know if you're a night owl or a morning person, especially for entrepreneurs where we get to build our own schedule, you need to kind of build around that. But the, to the extent that you can affect that, and maybe even it's less so about when you start working or when you stop and more so about what tasks you do when. So when you stack in, again, your important decisions to your key performance windows, I think is really important. I think uh, um, it's important to know if, if you can affect your schedule, whether you're a night owl or a morning person, in my opinion, that's really helped me over the years. So I think the very first thing about self-care is you have to know yourself. You have to know, does it rejuvenate you to go and uh, have a couple of drinks with friends or does that wear you out? You know, are you more of an introvert who wants to sit at home and read a book or 
um, watch a TV show or just lay on the couch and scroll through TikTok? Or um, are you someone who's rejuvenated by uh, uh, being on top of your task list and need to clear your inbox before you can get on to relaxing? Uh, is it a weekly massage? Are you the type of person who holds stress in their body and you need to get that out physically? These are important things to know about yourself. And I don't think you can come up with a self-care regimen without knowing yourself. Um, I mean, certain people are really active and they relax by going on long runs or, or an extreme workout or waking up early to go race cars. I mean, I know people of all different stripes and stars and, and they all have different ways of cutting this, but the important thing is not mimicking what other people do. The important thing is knowing yourself and setting up the regimen that works for you. So begin there. But once you know yourself and you've thought about some key things, when do you make your best decisions? When should you wake up? Do you need to be more organized because you're a procrastinator? or Are you too uptight and you need to come up with free creative time in your schedule? You need to know yourself and the, and the different things that you require and start to build your schedule around that. And once you do that, I think then you can move on to certain resources, um, certain frameworks that I found over time and key questions for you to consider in your self-care routine. I don't think everyone can do all these, obviously, but these are like common things that I've done myself or I've experimented with or I've seen people do successfully that I'm going to share with you. And I want you to organize your thinking into resources you have and implement for yourself that are mental and resources that you have and implement for yourself that are physical. So, for example, for me, a physical one that's really, really good for me that I think is a life hack is working out. And that's for me personally, when I lift it clears my mind. I can get out some aggression. So especially if I'm upset about something at work, it's good for me to go get a workout. Uh, it lets my mind kind of focus in. It's almost meditative to work out because you need to breathe, you know, out when you're exerting yourself and in, in between set or in between reps and the type of things, almost meditative. You're focusing on your breath the same way someone who's meditating classically, like just sitting cross-legged on the floor is, is paying attention to their breath. You do the same thing when you're running or when you're uh, lifting weights and things like this. Not so much when you play basketball or a sport or soccer, because you're kind of focused on the sport itself. That's more like unplugging to me. And I do play basketball. I love that too. But lifting weights is really important because it's almost meditative. That's where my mind can kind of consolidate thoughts. Sometimes I'm even working or running strategy while I lift. I mean, I'll take phone calls while I'm in the gym, but I try not to because A, it's kind of unprofessional. You know, they can hear the weights clanging in the background. And, you know, it's just, it's a little bit uh, like the other person on the other side of the phone knows that you're doing that. And, and even though like for me personally, I'm really in the zone when I'm in the gym, I probably answer questions better than when I'm sitting at my desk. Uh, the other person might not have that perception. So it's important to consider those factors, but also I like the gym. It's almost like a, a plane ride for me. It's like I'm unplugged from the world a little bit, or I try to be anyways. And that's like kind of a critical time for me. So like a physical resource that I have in my routine is I try to lift weights four to five times a week. And that's really healthy for me. It helps me decompress my nervous system. And I love other aspects of it. I love the way it makes me look, the way it makes me feel, the energy it gives me. Overall, it's a good thing. So that's like a, a thing I do for myself physically. A thing I do mentally for myself uh, uh, is I love to journal, you know, so I like to do gratitude journals. I love to reflect on what I've done lately. And this is something I'm, I really fall in and out of the habit of but when I'm journaling regularly, I do some of my best thinking. I do some of my best work and I love journaling, especially because it helps you to consolidate your thoughts. It's a great habit I had when I was a kid, when I would lay in bed, I had trouble falling asleep. And one thing that would always help me is I would start with what I did right before I got in bed, which was almost like brushing my teeth or whatever. And I would work backwards through it, like even down to little minute details, like how much toothpaste did I put on the toothbrush? Which quadrants of my teeth? 
teeth did I brush in which order? And then I'd work my way back through. What did I do before I got in bed? Oh, I was playing video games or I was on the phone with a friend. And then what did I do before that? Oh, I watched that TV show or that movie. What did I do before that? I cooked. What did I cook? And I actually, I didn't just think conceptually like, oh, I cooked burgers and move on. I'd think like, how did I unwrap the burger? Did I throw away the extra paper right after I put the meat in? Or what did the trash can look like? I tried to remember minute details in my day. And almost always by the time I got to the afternoon, I'd be asleep. But what I found is I had this wicked memory when I was in good habit of doing that. And unfortunately, I fell out of habit of doing that as an adult. But as a kid, I was just like almost militant about it. And I had this wicked good memory because I was consolidating all these memories into my sleep. And then your brain subconsciously consolidates memories while you sleep. And I could remember weird details, like the color shirts that my friends were wearing when we did something and stuff, because I was just sitting there consolidating the thoughts instead of just always being distracted or always moving on to the next thing. So that's a habit I try to get back into. And journaling really helps me with that because it kind of pulls me into reflection of my day instead of always thinking about the next thing or looking for the next serotonin bump from my phone or next distraction, whatever. It allows me to slow down and consolidate my thoughts. And it also allows me to slow down and think about what would I have done differently? How would I have improved in that situation? How can I grow from that? And those are all really important things. So those are kind of two examples of like a mental resource versus a physical resource in uh, uh, self-care. The mental resource in that case is journaling. The uh, physical resource is working out. And for, for me in particular, weightlifting. But I think being healthy is a really important part of self-care, especially for uh, entrepreneurs. And I'll just say having a healthy personal presentation is just an advantage in life. You know, people take you more seriously. It's easier to be a leader nowadays. Uh, I think it's a key thing. If it's something you can control about yourself, I think it's an important thing to control. Uh, so I really like those aspects. So let's run through some resources that I use and that other people use that are really common that maybe you can work in or maybe you can exaggerate in your own schedule in the coming weeks and months and hopefully build into real lasting habits. Um, let's start with mental a really big one for me has been seeing a psychologist and I'm a huge advocate for this. I, I see a psychologist every other week. It's been great for me, especially, you know, everyone has their things that they deal with. Uh, and for me, it was always kind of like worrying about my health and things like this. And I wasn't like, like incapacitated by it, but it was something that just would take too much focus from me. And working with a psychologist has really changed that for me to where it's just a very manageable thing that I don't really have an issue with. And you don't want to think that as a boss or as an entrepreneur, you need to be invulnerable. I mean, we're all human beings and we have issues that we have to deal with and recognizing them and getting them sorted is the, is the important thing. That's what leaders do is they recognize, name it to tame it, you know, find a problem and name it. And then they deal with it. And that's what we have to do as leaders is we have to deal with our, uh, our own, psychoses or whatever you want to label it right in their own um, diagnoses or whatever our mental deal is. And we have to make sure that we're in a really good headspace to be leaders because that's that is a prerequisite to being a leader. I mean, some people think that you're crazy if you go to a psychologist. I think crazy people don't go to a psychologist <laughs> and let that sink in. Crazy people do not go to a psychologist, in my opinion. And I think that it's just such a key life hack that I've and I've talked to so many successful entrepreneurs who do this. Some of them are quiet or almost kind of ashamed of it, which I don't get. It's not like a shameful thing to me at all. I think that even if you don't have anything like diagnosable, like an illness, anxiety disorder or, or um, ADHD or depression or whatever, I think you should still go see a psychologist because 
is it helps you stay out of those states, first of all, but it also just makes you happier the same way that it lifts people who are unhappy out of that unhappiness that's brought on by a diagnosable uh, mental illness. Uh, it can help people already happy, get even happier. I mean, I think it's crazy not to go see a psychologist in my opinion, but especially for entrepreneurs or people who are trying to do big things in this world, I'd really, really encourage it. I think it's something that as society, we got to get the stigma out of. And unfortunately, you see tragedies in this world that too often could be helped by uh, the people who are perpetrating perpetrating them, uh, either getting incarcerated, in my opinion, but also getting psychological help. So, I mean, those are extreme examples, but even less extreme examples of just, you know, did you snap at someone this week? Were you too impatient with someone? Uh, are you happy in making positive decisions and positive impacts on this world? All come down to your mental health. You've chosen to be a leader if you're listening to this podcast. You know, that comes with a burden. It comes with a price. And the price is you have to be on. You have to be ready to lead. You have to be ready to make decisions and impact the world and impact these people. And to do that, you have to have your head right. So I think seeing a psychologist, if you're not doing it, I'd really question why not. And when people sit me down and ask me for advice for young entrepreneurs, whatever, that's like top of my list. It's worth every penny and every minute that you invest into your own mental health. And it's easier than ever before to do. I mean, I love seeing a psychologist in person, but they have them online now. You know, there's services you can pay that are relatively cheap. I mean, I think it's some of the first money people ought to spend in this world, in my opinion. So I think mental uh, health resource for self-care for entrepreneurs, number one psychology. I think seeing a psychologist is huge. Um, resources, gosh, the, the for your mental clarity, this is almost going to seem kind of pedantic, but the number one thing you can do is get your business right. Because when things are going right in your business as an entrepreneur, because, you know, just folks, you got to take my opinion or you got to take my advice on this. Your mood is going to swing with your business results. So if you care about this, if you're a successful entrepreneur, by definition, it's a large part of your life and it's a large part of your happiness. It's just a reality. And people talk about segmenting work away from the rest of their happiness or the rest of their life. And you can do that if you're an employee, if you're, if you're running your business, or even if you're in a leadership position in your business, whatever, if, if you have a position of consequence, then you're going to take some of that home with you and it's going to affect your happiness. So the number one thing you can do for your mental happiness in business is get your business right as much as possible. Now we're all going to have to accept that's not, it's not reasonable to expect that's going to happen hundred percent of the time, obviously. Um, but the, the more you can get it right, the better. So the number one thing that you can do that's self-care is recognizing the people who are important to your business and to your success and honoring that keep them, find your best people and keep them on your train as best as you can reward them financially, praise them publicly, praise them privately, make sure that these people know they're respected by you. Cause those are the people who unlock your success. And those are the people who unlock your sustainable success. And those are the people who unlock your mental well being. I think the number one self-care thing I can give advice I could give to an entrepreneur. Well, I guess the psychology number two then would be, um, uh, uh, get the best people around you as possible and incentivize them, take them with you. I think most successful entrepreneurs would agree about that. If you do that, it's going to save you a lot of mental anguish, uh, ironically, but other resources that are like business, uh, uh, business wise that are direct, like you could, you should definitely have a mentor. I think it's so key and you'd be surprised how open, very successful people will be to mentoring you, especially when you're young and starting in your career. So reach out, find yourself a great mentor, and be choosy about this. If you're the one being mentored, it may seem like you're just lucky to get anyone with a big bankroll. 
to sit down and have coffee with you once a quarter or whatever. No, no, no. Like be choosy yourself. And I'm, uh, you need to be respectful and you need to be gracious with the person you're asking to be your mentor. So they probably should not know this, but you should almost be viewing as like an interview in your mind and you should not make them feel that at all. Cause that'll turn them off. And you know, it's a huge favor for someone to mentor you when you're starting out in your career. But you need to have that kind of private uh, standard that you're holding. Don't just let anyone be your mentor. You need to be choosy as if it's a partner in your life. But having a great mentor, like an executive coach, uh, is something I've been exposed to as well through my program at Harvard is they give us uh, hours of executive coaching each unit. And that's amazing. They're like psychologists for business people. <laughs> you know, they can talk to you about the things that unlock your performance and the nature of them being around and, and dealing with successful people for their career gives them such perspective for prepping you on that. So I think that's so, so key, uh, a mentor and executive coach as well. I also mentioned journaling, reflecting. I think studying is a really key thing uh, for your mental health as well. For me personally, I even like to study subjects, you know, like almost like I'm back in like high school or college, you know, pick up a textbook from time to time, watch a YouTube, especially the Kurzagot series I really like on YouTube. Uh, that's someone who breaks down interesting things like physics and astrology or the way drugs work and stuff like that. Just learning about things I think is really key. I think reading is really key too. And I'm not great about this. I need to get better. I watch too much YouTube and read too much on online and on blogs and Reddit and stuff like this, uh, news sources online. But what you, sitting down with an actual physical book, there's something good about that for your brain, in my opinion, and helps you grow. So I think taking time to study or even becoming a student again, doing like an executive program like I'm doing, oh my God, I just cannot recommend it enough. If, if you have the ability to go do an executive program and you're at the right stage in your career for that, like 10 years in, whatever, like I am, just go do it. It's worth the time. It's worth the effort. It's worth the money. Um, but making time to learn and to network in structured ways is really, really key. And when I say in structured ways, I mean, don't just be like free form, like conceptual, like, oh, I'm going to study, but like, be like, I'm going to read an hour a day, or I'm going to take this class online. I'm going to go to this executive education program. I'm going to join YPO. I'm going to join uh, an entrepreneur's network. I'm going to join a CFO network, whatever, like take times and structured ways to network. I'm going to go to the healthcare uh, business people's uh, networking event, like make an effort for those things in your life. I think you'll be impressed by how that can really accelerate your growth. And you'd be surprised how many people don't do things like that. I mean, for a lot of my, my life, I didn't do enough of it. And when you come around to it, you'd be like, Oh, why didn't I do this sooner? Well, no time like the presence, right? But most of all, you need to practice patience. If you let yourself get too wound up, if you let yourself and your ego get too far into your, the way that you do business, you'll be really unhappy. I mean, the, I think I've done a pretty good job of keeping this in check throughout my career. <laughs> it's an ironic statement, <laughs> not to pat myself on the back too much, but my ego is not that big. <laughs> ironic. But anyways, uh, uh, I think I've done a relatively good job of keeping this intact. But the time I've let my ego get exaggerated or I've taken things too personally, it's really hampered me. And don't forget, everyone's the hero of their own story. So you need to really practice patience and you need to be curious. You need to look at you know even negative things as a learning opportunity and reframe them positively. And that'll keep you saner and more effective a lot, a lot more. So those are some mental resources I like. I hope that's a good list for you guys. Now let's talk about the physical, because this is something I think a lot of people overlook. I touched on how important I think uh, fitness is earlier, but I'd say it's not the most important thing. The very most important thing, and God, this is something we get so wrong as entrepreneurs in America, but the number one important thing to your physical well-being, your physical self-care as an entrepreneur is sleeping well. Oh my goodness. 
we do not sleep well at all. You have to read the book, Why We Sleep by Matthew Walker or listen to his podcast. He's on Joe Rogan. He speaks really well. Why We Sleep. It's a hard recommendation for me. And what you'll learn is that you need seven to nine hours of restful, uninterrupted sleep every night. Okay. And seven to nine hours of sleep is not the same as being in bed for seven to nine hours. Okay. What you'll find is a sleep efficiency, i.e. the time that you actually report being asleep versus the time that your body's physically in sleep. A good one's 85%. So that means if you're in bed for seven and a half or sorry, eight and a half hours, you're probably only sleeping seven of them, right? in round numbers, eight hours, 15 minutes, whatever the math works out to be. But you you need to be conscientious of that. And you need to get real sleep seven to nine hours a day. And it can't be sedated. It can't be that you took, God forbid, a sleeping pill. When you listen to Matthew Walker and that why we sleep stuff, you'll never, I never took them anyways, but you would never take an ambient in your life if you listen to him about that. Um, But also like not drinking too close before you go to bed, not having caffeine in the afternoons and especially not the evening. Even if you're someone who can quote unquote, quote, tolerate it like, oh, I'm fine. I drink an espresso after dinner or whatever. It's still not good for your sleep. Um, So manage your sleep. That's the number one thing you can do for yourself as an entrepreneur, in my opinion, that's physical is take care of your sleep schedule and sleep well. Right on the heels of that, I'd say is eating healthy. And I'm stunned how many people don't eat healthy. I mean, to the extreme of, you know, sometimes being obese and things like this. But again, your personal presentation is a big part of the way the world interacts with you, even in this virtual world. So take care of yourself. There's, there's no end to not taking care of yourself. You're going to live a shorter life. You're going to be less effective while you're around. You're not going to be as happy. You're not going to feel as good. So take care of yourself, eat healthy, moderate your drinking and drugs or partying, whatever. Like these are all things that I mean, I'm no prude. (laughs) Listen, I've done my fair amount of hanging out in a nightclub or, you know, having too many drinks with friends, whatever. Um, And I'm no prude about these things, but at the same time, moderate it. I mean, God, especially when you see these people who probably weren't that popular in high school or whatever, they get out you know, they think that one day I'll be wealthy and then I'll get to act like Dan Bilzerian or whatever. And they lose their minds when they get their first big paycheck or their first, they have their first year big year after that, they just party too hard. And it's a shame, man. You see people throw their lives and their business down the toilet. So moderate your drinking, moderate your partying, uh, moderate your social life to moderate your spending. Don't overspend and things like that. Cause that'll bring you a lot of, uh, anguish too. But, uh, for your physical health as an entrepreneur, don't go run yourself ragged at both ends. I mean, I've seen these entrepreneurs who think they're so cool because like, oh, I was out till three o'clock in the morning on a Thursday. And then I woke up Friday for my 8 a.m. meetings and made it. It's like making it to a meeting is no accomplishment. What type of decisions were you making? To my point earlier, there's no way you're as sharp if you were out drinking late and then showed up blurry eyed to your work the next day. I mean, good Lord, what are you thinking? Right. I mean, I've God, I've even seen surgeons do this, to be honest. It can be kind of uh, depressing sometimes with uh, uh, one of my friends. Yeah, anyway, so it's like one of these things where um, uh, just keep a clear mind when you're showing up to work the next day. I think it's so key, and I think it's so important to uh, moderate those habits and to get, get them in the right balance. So anyways, uh, working out, I would say, is really key as well. Uh, I talked on that earlier. It helps you with all the things I just spoke about. It helps you with sleep. It helps you with your balance in life. I think those things are really key. I don't do it as often, but lots of people love meditating. Um, I think more important than meditation is truly decompressing or unplugging. And for some pe- people that 10 to 30 minutes a day of meditating is that. But for me, unplugging and, and decompressing is a little bit different. I don't have to go to that extreme um, to get the same effects and meditating has just not really been my favorite thing. 
uh, for those, for those purposes, I prefer just to unplug and throw my phone in the other room and hang out for a couple hours, reading a book or something like that. But I, you know, I've tried meditating before I use that headspace app, which is really good if you're going to meditate and it can be nice and it helps you connect with your body in kind of a different way. Um, maybe honestly, it's something I should give another try and knock the dust off of because it did kind of help me with some mental connections that you can't get otherwise. And it's kind of hard to describe, but you almost get this like other view of yourself and your mental state when you meditate. So maybe it is a worthwhile thing. I'm downplaying a little bit, but it's not something that's found its way into my habit a ton, but boy, there's a lot of successful people who really believe in it and who get great results from it. So I wouldn't downplay it or second guess it. I mean, certainly it's something that you might want to try or incorporate into your schedule. But the main thing here is you need to personalize these things for yourself and they have to be sustainable. It's not enough to meditate for a month or to start working out a little bit or to see a psychologist three times. These need to be sustainable things that you do for years. Uh, and you need to find those habits that help you. Is it cooking dinner with your phone put away so that you're focused on the food and you're cooking for your loved ones so you're expressing gratitude? Is it working out? Is it seeing that psychologist? Is it networking? Is it getting the right mentor and bringing them out for a cup of coffee once a month? You need to find what works for you to be your best and you owe it to the world, to the people, and to the things that you're responsible for. And most of the people listening to this are leaders or your entrepreneurs or you own your own business or you're the head of your family, whatever. These are things that you owe the people who count on you. So get it right. Take care of yourself and don't underemphasize this. This is a key part of success. So you want to listen to all these podcasts about what to do to be successful. There's way too little emphasis on this in my, in my opinion. So focus a lot on your self-care, take care of yourself, and, and that'll take care of a lot of other things in your life. Trust me. So anyways, that's our podcast today. I'm so appreciative for you all for listening. If you know, oh, don't forget to like and subscribe. If you know someone who'd like this podcast, please share it with them. It helps me grow the channel. I'm so appreciative of you guys. Like I said earlier in the podcast, it was really, really cool to check in on my numbers recently and see that all of my old, you know, 50 plus podcasts, whatever, are still getting tons of views from new listeners every single single or every single day. And that's really cool to me. So thank you for your support. I know there's lots of ways to entertain yourself, not the least of which are a bunch of great podcasts. So thank you for taking the time to listen to little old me. Talk at you soon.